Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast, where we explore the exciting science behind heart rate variability. The material discussed in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Please check with your medical provider to make sure any suggestions or strategies are right for you. Visit us at the OptimalHRV.com website to learn more about the Optimal HRV app, download a free copy of Matt's book, Heart Rate Variability, and also get show notes and additional resources around heart rate variability and its applications. Hello again, and welcome everybody to another episode of the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Jeff Summers back along with my friend Matt Bennett. Hey, Jeff. Matt, how are you? Good, man. Uh, been traveling again. So, You've been tra- uh, it's your last yeah. week in the mountains, man. You're, you're going to come back to Denver here soon. I, I know, I know. But I'm coming off the mountains. Uh, as the Buddhists say, I'm coming back to the marketplace with hopefully. Uh, <laughs> My uh, less than enlightenment, but good uh, heart rate variability score is still intact. So uh, I think you're giving me a little break on the weather, but uh, boy, it's 70 degrees right now. It's beautiful. So, so yes. 96 here in Denver. I'm glad it's 70 up there. (laughs) Well, I was in DC. I know we're going to talk about that, but uh, I got a reminder. I know you were in Florida recently. So, uh, Orlando, baby. We complain, but we complain in dry heat. So, uh, that that (laughs) is a thing. uh, Because after a a, a very mild kind of August day in DC, where it was only like 86, 87, that 100% humidity, man. I hadn't sweated like that just walking around uh, in a long time. So I remind you of the Midwest this time of year, my friend. Yeah, I think DC even has it a little Worse. bit uh, more yeah. than we did in Indiana. But uh, yeah, I was talking to my mom. I think they were up at ninety-six uh, percent. So I'll uh, I'll give them their uh, proper props. Uh, yeah. No thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I don't know. Uh, you know. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that's not a thing here in Denver, put it that way. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's it. So you you have been traveling. You mentioned you were in D.C. Uh, you know, let, let's spend some time talking about that because I think it's very topical. You know, we're, everybody who's been listening to our podcast knows your passion and our passion for you know, professionals taking care of themselves and, and how challenged there are um a specific number of professionals in particular to do that with the the current sort of state of the world um health healthcare being top of that list yeah. so you know you went to the ACU uh conference was it two weeks ago now yeah and and came away what's the right frightened I don't know what's the right word you, you uh, tell me. I would say reinforced uh okay. you know okay. so let me give credit where it's due uh this is the associations of clinicians for the underserved and they do amazing work. So, so they're sort of a cohort of what's called primary care associations around the country. And uh, they really uh, deliver really world-class healthcare uh, to historically underserved uh, populations who often historically haven't been able to afford healthcare and you know, here's, I'll, I'll be a little political here. There is still states that haven't expanded Medicaid and don't want the federal government to fund, 
just jump uh dump a bunch of cash on them um uh, so some are still doing this but uh these are federally qualified health centers for the most part and sort of the folks that uh help uh you know uh support their work so what well, one just a, a shout out uh to the great folks at acu and, and the star center um, uh, you know, they, uh, I put in my typical one that is hardly ever accepted the future of trauma informed care, uh, you know, kind of, Hey, I know this is 10 years ahead of its time sort of thing to talk about heart rate variability. And, and even though they did not accept it as a workshop, I, I just want to thank them, um, you know, for allowing me to have a booth at the conference at no cost, um, to, to share, uh, the fact that I uh, just recently updated and expanded our heart rate variability uh, book. So uh, I know shameless plug worked in there with a thank you, but uh, uh, <laughs> you know, when I was talking to them about just worried about this health inequity uh, growing, that biometrics are really transforming how the way we look at health with, I, I believe HRV leading the way, uh, There, there is still a barrier of cost there that if, you know, you can't afford a 30 buck a month membership or you can't afford, a, you know, a $400 watch uh, that, you know, folks that struggle with trauma, homelessness, poverty, abuse, uh, you know, the things I've dedicated my career with to, you know, aren't getting this technology. And so, uh, you know, they gave me a booth. And so I got to talk a lot of heart rate variability uh, with folks. That was a lot of fun, as well as just learn. That's what I missed about conferences. It's, you know, just, you know, there, there's those folks, Jeff, I don't know, you see this at technology work uh, conferences, but there's kind of the folks that think they're too good for the workshops, that they always just hang out in the lobby. I'm, I'm one of those people that when I hit that level, Jeff, just, just hit me across the head. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> I never want to be the person that says, I can't learn anything from anybody anymore. So I just, uh, I, I just plopped my butt on uh, a whole bunch of workshops. Um, and one of the things that came out of that, um, and, and there was a, a big federal presence there. Uh, HRSA is one of the big um, federal, uh, you know, funders of healthcare, as, as well with some other ones uh, as well. And over and over and over, every sort of keynote address, uh, part of every workshop, attended. I, I did a address that was specific to burnout, but everything was just talking about how devastated um, the healthcare workforce is right now. And um, just to a rate that I, people are starting, I, I think to wonder is, can a industry with a workforce this devastated uh, sustain itself? Um, you know, and there's indications that I know I, I saw something here in Colorado where at one point there was a survey with that 52% of nurses were considering, listen to this, leaving the field of healthcare. Um, yeah, and not changing you, jobs, not, not switching from one facility or hospital to another, but just getting out completely and leaving, doing something different. Leaving. I, I don't think we need to have a physician on, uh, to tell you that if we lose 50% of our nurses, we don't have a healthcare uh, system. And so some of those numbers are playing out. Uh, some of those early warnings um, are playing out. So 
I'm not going to say every industry is in the spot uh, that healthcare is in because healthcare, as I talk about in my talks, uh, were some of the most burned out folks pre-pandemic. Uh, so they had, they weren't, we weren't doing good um, along with social workers, along with uh, educators, lawyers, police officers, um, and just be kind to these folks, the folks that do kind of front desk, retail, and fast food sort of work. Um, all those industries, maybe lawyers, not so much, but none of those industries have had a good last two and a half years. Uh, if you think about educators, healthcare, retail, um, law enforcement, um, some of those challenges look unique to those industries, but are, are just devastated. So I thought, you know, it'd, it'd be worth sharing a little bit about sort of what I've seen for maybe the industry impacted most by the last two and a half years. But I think sometimes when you look at the folks that are most traumatized, most impacted, and I give my friends at ACU just so much credit for bringing this to the forefront of the conference. I, I don't know if they did that even intentionally. I think they did to some extent. They gave me a platform um, and some others specifically look at this, but some of this is just like, hey, we've got HRSA, we've got legislative representatives, and this is what they wanted to talk about, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is something that we've talked about in various podcasts. And, you know, as you said, not something that's surprising, but it you know, really sounds like the level to which, um, you know, things have gotten was a bit of a surprise to you. And, you know, that... that, that I guess for somebody who wasn't there, what were some of the solutions that they talked about? I mean, what you know, talking about it as a as a as a problem is one thing, but it, you know, it's another thing. That what, what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? Was that part of the talk track or or not? A, a little bit, um, but here and and I'd like our listeners too to reflect on the systems that you work in as well. We we have often gone back and forth. Uh, my experience in education, healthcare, social services, criminal justice. In other words, I haven't worked the front desk of a McDonald's, but I, I kind of, and I'm not a lawyer, but I check off a lot of the other uh, boxes there. Um, you know, looking at, you know, what this is, I, I, the problem that we're hitting, and I think that this is an inherent problem sort of to American capitalism to some extent. And don't worry, audience, I'm not going to throw capitalism under the bus. I can't, but it's probably not, this is not the place to do it, is the system it was broke pre-COVID. Right. Uh, you know, when you look at physicians, nurses, you know, and a lot of these federally qualified health centers, pretty much everybody else is a social service or social worker type in there, at least could be, relatively identified as one of those top three categories, depending on the, the survey you look at and what specifically, because sometimes dentists work their way in, veterinarians will work their way in um, to those lists as well. Sure. But the system, and, and I think where healthcare may not be unique, but, but I can talk about it because I know it so well, it was broken before COVID hit. And so there was this vulnerability there that has been really just brought straight to the surface and is in our face to to see okay here's a broken system that got 
trauma on top Text. of it exactly. several different layers of trauma several different times you know and now we we see what is left of that so what, what i'm worried about with these really smart leaders is i think there's a temptation to talk about let's go back how do we recover to where we were before but we were horrible at this pre-COVID. <laughs> going, from, going from bad to worse, back to bad is still I, bad. I, I know. <laughs> I mean, we were the worst in, across the industries pre-COVID. So to recover back to something that was terrible. Needed recovery from. <laughs> yeah. Like I was trying to change the system before COVID hit, uh, right. you know, with this. And so we can't pause. You can't shut down a health center. Health centers also are now feeling understaffed, as was predicted. So you're now in this really, I, I think, emergency spot where you need to give people time to recover, to at least get back to the horrible spot we were before COVID <laughs> and everything else they hit. I, I think to just label the trauma of COVID misses the political environment uh, that we've all been under uh you know as well which i don't care what side of the political you know side you're on it's been crazy i think we could all agree upon and that really hits when you talk about racial justice criminal justice reform hits the providers i work with um as well because that's the populations that they serve um you know i i don't see to answer your question that there's a, a lot of solutions that are traditionally right there especially when you can't give people vacation time i mean that that's yeah the, yeah I, yeah 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 great point you know we, we've talked about this many times you want to recover from the stress get the heck away from the stress but yeah. now that you're understaffed you can't. what do you do there's just more stress yep and we got a monkey pox things going a, on we got covid still together. hanging around so it's not like the need for healthcare. It may have de-intensified. An aging population, you know? I mean, yeah. there's there's so many factors in place here that COVID, frankly, to your point, just accelerated things a little bit and yeah. made the spotlight a little bit brighter on the problem. But the problem's been there. And the external circumstances, you know, aren't going away even outside of COVID. You know, I mean, just right. thinking about the, the need for healthcare for the baby boomer generation and then you know, it's just unprecedented, right? As, as these folks get older and, and, and transition. You, you just so. mentioned it too, is what they're seeing as a lot, a massive retirement. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. That, that's right. They're, they're retiring and they're going to need care and yeah. all those factors. Right? And I, I think for us, uh, you know, at least I know we're, there's an arguable generation split between you and me that I love to tease you about. But, you know, for us Xers, we're like, okay, it's our turn. We just didn't think It'd be all at once in the midst of the biggest workforce crisis ever that, hey, now these, you know, there's upward <laughs> mobility, uh, just not quite the way we ever kind of envisioned, you know, taking that next step um, in, in our careers. So, so yeah, you know, you've, you've got that happening as well. And I'll just, I'll just give a lot of um, just admiration for folks that may have put off a retirement 
Uh, They have, because of age, uh, added additional risk to their life and family to to continue to see us to this point. Uh, So I'm not going to begrudge anybody for retiring because I know a lot of people put disproportionately put their own health wellness on the line and put off their own retirement to, to meet the, the crisis, uh, the public health crisis of uh, our generation. So that's it. So, I mean, as you all know, a lot of our listeners are in this space, you know, social service, healthcare, some combination thereof. I mean, you know, it's all one and the same to some extent. So what advice do you have? I mean, you know, you're somebody who spent some time in there, got out of it to some extent. You still work in the space, but not directly. Um, On a day-to-day, you know, as an employee working with folks, you're you're, you're training and empowering other folks to be able to do their jobs better. But what advice do you give them? You know, how do they manage this? What's going on? Yeah, and so one is to think about this as I like to think about putting on, and and we've, we've touched on this in previous podcast, what is the recovery plan? You know, thinking about yep. this like a strategic plan of how to use the next, and I still think we're at six to 12 months. And I've been given my talk ever since I kind of saw this mentality. And you got to kind of think back a while now. I kind of saw, it's like, oh, when we get the vaccination, that will cure all our problems. And I'm like, that's not how trauma works. Right, you did, you mentioned that in podcasts, you know, June of 2020. Exactly, that's not how this works. we're, we're in a relatively, I think if we look back and said, wow, we've got so many people vaccinated, you yeah. know, you know, that, boosted. yeah, I mean, even though it may not ever seem like enough, it's we're we're in a actually a really amazing spot. I think if we were going to predict how quickly we would get here. Um, so, so right. ever since that, I've been like, no, this is not, it's not going to go away. A vaccination doesn't heal the trauma, the mental health crisis that, that our workforce um, is in. And so the, I, I still think, even though my message has evolved over time with the situation, you know, maybe somebody took me up on that idea way back about a year and a half ago to start thinking about this. But but even if you took my training, you established everything, the, the wave of stress and trauma, you know, was going to hit. And now that it has, you know, and this is where I really think it's it's looking at something like a heart rate variability. Like, how do you know you're keeping your workforce healthy? And I think that's a question that we have to try to challenge ourselves with. And I just want to put out there, I think there's a reason we have been in the more for-profit business world with innovators than healthcare social services, because when you're in the midst of a crisis, innovation is is really difficult. Finding funding for it, find time for it, doing implementation science, uh, all that changing habits, all that is really difficult. So, you know, I've really encouraged people to think about things like time off and taking a 12 month calendar out and saying, okay, we know we can't have more than one person out in any given week right now. And because we are also short staff, how do we ensure people are getting time away uh, from from this work? Um, Bringing in therapy in-house to to do that. Um, You know, rethinking self-care. I mean, this has been a little bit of a soapbox. You know, (laughs) it's a term that has 
died and has died so amazingly quickly that it's no longer okay to blame it's an individual failure for being burned out. And that makes total sense with everything we've talked about on the show in the past of, no, really, the organizational aspects are going to lead to burnout. Now, are there individual habits that can build resiliency? Absolutely, yes. So having people think about their personal recovery plan, this needs to be, we need to hold the dilemma of your personal behaviors. And as we've talked about, uh, nutrition, movement, uh, sleep, those are the foundations for good heart rate variability and resiliency to stress. That's going to, you don't do those things, your stress response is going to struggle anyway. But then from organizational perspective, what resources do we give to help people recover? And I really hope, even though I, I get right now that it's tremendously hard to implement anything new when you're trying to bail out the ship, uh, <laughs> say, hey, let's take on a new initiative. There, there's not a whole lot of energy for that. But I think you know, I, I would love, you know, you've got to track this in some way. You, you've got to measure, if you bring a therapist in-house, is that helping with this recovery? And then, you know, why, why I would just love to give everybody, you know, access to some of this science right now is I, I think, you know, the, the HRV biofeedback, uh, resonance frequency breathing, I, I know, and we've talked about this so much on this episode, but that was my recovery. Like, like, I was just amazed as I started to really integrate that 40 minutes a day, 20 minutes of really good, you know, approved practice. And then 20 minutes as I watch, uh, <laughs> I, I did watch the Westworld, season four of Westworld. Holy hell. Like all I got to say is season three kind of lost me audience. If you gave up on the show, you got to go back for season four. Uh, <laughs> no, no plug for me. I'm not in it, but I have never seen so many plot twists within one season of a television show in history. So anyway, <laughs> I, just to say that I may have been taking my HRV as I was rewinding because I may have missed something, but, you know, <laughs> really like getting that to people, um, giving people time to practice um, HRV mindfulness, the biofeedback, maybe during the workday. Uh, could you give them 20 minutes for, for that focus time? Um, yep. maybe getting people our lunches because we know that's good for their stress response, rethinking and healthcare on call, uh, trying to get supervision in there. Uh, I, so I think that there is a real plan. I, I think the real hard part is one is the staffing shortage uh, yeah. and two, trying to change. How do you integrate a supervision structure that help, can help people co-regulate? How can you get people on vacation? How can you you know, maybe start to measure heart rate variability to uh, ensure these uh, are, are working. You know, I, I think I'm never going to sugarcoat anything that's doable, but it's really hard. And where I really worry, Jeff, is our leaders are burnt. Sure. Uh, not yeah. like leadership has not been, you know, really, I would say incredibly adversely impacted by this. And I think this is across professions as well, because we've Absolutely. been trying to keep people safe. We've tried to keep people healthy. We've tried to keep people working. That's it, leaders trying to find people to work, you know. And so you've been 
holding on to your own stuff, dealing with your own stuff, because we've all, all these stressors, politics, civil rights, pandemic, uh, all this land war in Europe, whatever your trigger is, we got it for you. Exactly. Um, Yeah, try and deal with our own mental health while supporting systems that needed an extraordinary amount of leadership management support to survive. A lot of, we were just talking about, you know, and one of my, the restaurant right across the street from me that has great vegan tacos, great vegan pizza. And for a while, I had a happy hour starting at noon with killer marks. Um, (laughs) That's right. The only pizza and taco joint uh, that you ever had. I know. They closed their doors. So, you know, Um, so it's just, I, I think we've been through this extraordinary time and, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, I, I think uh, being a little creative, like, like what can we do in a way? And I, I think heart rate variability, it's giving people daily feedback. People are focusing daily on their wellness. Uh, the RF frequency, uh, you know, mindfulness, biofeedback. I mean, those were just such huge pieces of my own recovery because I, the HRV data told me I was doing terrible about 14, 15 months ago. Yeah, I was treading water and I was pretty good to get there, but sure. I, I was starting to go down and, you know, here comes Ina and that, that functionality. And, you know, I, I've got data to show I'm in the hundreds somehow nowadays. Like, you know, yeah. I've actually been yeah. able to increase that during a time where, I'm trying to keep, I don't know how many companies I'm work doing now, but like 18 companies that <laughs> I started, a lot of those with you during the pandemic. Uh, you know, it hasn't been the easiest time to, to launch an innovative tech company or a nonprofit or, you know, everything all else. All of the above, <laughs> exactly. Write two books, all of those things. Working with a team on three different continents. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we've counted time zones at this point, but uh, uh, yeah. A lot of them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, we, we need advocates for this and, and, you know, this isn't a shameless plug for optimal. I hope we provide you the tool. Yeah. You know, I know we bring sure. the, the tracking and the RF assessment uh, into the same app and hopefully at a very affordable, like said, by a less than five bucks a month, um, which has always That's been right. a focus of ours as well. So and yeah. we can set up teams um, on here. We can set up organizations. All that stuff was built into our original vision um, for this. So, you know, I, I really, if you're listening to this, I probably don't want to sell you that HRV is such a powerful tool. Um, you know, if we can help in any way, uh, like I said, we launched March 8th, uh, 2020. So we were kind of where we wanted to be. I mean, I, I have fantasies about what if we started a year before but you know i don't have quick epiphanies uh so uh <laughs> i would have loved to have been a a, pro, a preactive uh you know or proactive solution but hopefully we can be uh for, for those that are ready and like i said we've incorporated a nonprofit. we can write grants with you um i do training on leadership uh staff resiliency and wellness um and again not shameless plugs but we're, we're here to help because uh, sure. i care about these people not only do i care in healthcare and social services and education 
it's it's the people that are working there these social justice healthcare warriors the educators who are still in education because a lot of folks are leaving uh, but i care about the kids they serve i care about the families they serve i i care about the individuals that they serve and if if these folks go away um as with most things, it's it's those in the struggling school districts. It's those right. struggling with poverty. It's those that might not get addiction services or mental health services because those are in demand now. And people in the middle upper class are going to be raising the rates on that. So um, yep. like I said, we're here to help. Um, even if you just want to talk through some of this with us, uh, don't hesitate to reach out uh because if we can help in any way or if i can i can get you to somebody who can i i definitely will as well that's it that's well said i think it's a good way to end i mean you know ultimately providing visibility and, and awareness is sort of what's going on and yeah. making people realize look we're, we're in the situation um we got to find ways to to make things better improve and um, you know, offer tools to do that is, is about all we can do. Yeah, know? because what we really want to do, Jeff, here is there's an idea that well, I don't think we've talked about in a while called post-traumatic growth. And right. it's, it's really, there's resiliency. And if you're still doing what you're doing, you're resilient, right? We get up, we bounce back in the face of hardship, but there's an opportunity in all this. And this is where in my clinical work, we call it post-traumatic growth, but we've all been through a lot of trauma lately. And we know that if we really spend the time to heal, not just recover, recover will, right. will maybe mitigate some of the more severe symptoms, mental health, medical, social, cognitive symptoms of burnout and, and trauma. But we really wanna, we really wanna gain strength and wisdom from this. Uh, you know, I hope we don't have another Absolutely. pandemic like COVID. It doesn't seem like monkeypox is Right. Probably go to quiet. I'll just start knocking on wood everywhere. It's a different disease in many ways, but you know, we so if we have time, how can we grow from this experience? Uh, you know, that we can be stronger for the next challenge that faces us. So there's a real opportunity here individually, organizationally, collectively to gain resiliency. If you've ever been through a hard time, probably don't want to go back there. Uh, but you're stronger today for having gone through that. And that's right. that opportunity is staring us in the face, but it's not easy. It's going to be really difficult. And, and so that's the challenge is to come back with lessons learned with increased resiliency, because hell, if we can survive the last two and a half years, uh, you know, just watching the news today, there, there's a whole new dose of stuff going on right now, at least in the U.S. Um, Always you know, is. Hopefully we can survive and, and maybe really address some of these larger issues uh, going forward. So that'll be my last word, Jeff. Thanks for uh, doing this with me. I'm glad to get this message out there. Absolutely. Glad to be a part of it. Thanks, everybody, for uh, you know your continued interest. Uh, OptimalHRV.com. If you want to learn more about what we're doing, reach out. As Matt said, we talk to a lot of people just, just to help them you know, they might not be using the app, but they want to understand HRV better. They want to understand biofeedback training. They just, you know, want to learn, um, reach out. We're more than happy to spend time with, uh, with folks that want to spend time with us. So. Yep. And Hey, I got to plug it. Uh, the updated and revised version oh, yeah, of I was gonna say, variability, was... 
you can, we're not kind of pushing this out aggressively because it's nice when somebody buys your book every once in a while. But, you know, you can get the PDF for free uh, if you go to OptimalHRV.com, sign up for our email list. Love to get your feedback on. It's got 100 new pages. So even if you read the first one, uh, there, there's a lot of expanded, updated material in there. So uh, if you're thinking you might have been traumatized throughout this, like most of us, we wrote a book on that. So uh, please, <laughs> please get it. I'd love to get your feedback on it, too. So. That's it. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks, everybody. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.